Hey, I'm Cardin, former Disney cast member and founder of LogRide. And I'm John Davidson, theme park fan and travel hacker. We are on a mission to unveil the secrets, insights, and people behind the theme park industry. Join us each week for a new episode. Now sit back and hold tight, because we're about to launch into the Thrill Seekers podcast. Welcome to our session on Halloween Horror Nights. So for those of you guys who don't know, that's at Universal Studios. And I was so lucky this year, my inaugural, is that the word? Inaugural year? I think it's inaugural. To be uh, taken personally by Cardin. So Cardin, welcome back to the podcast. It's been a little bit. Thanks for having me. It was great meeting up with you in person again. So we I know. We don't, often, we don't often see it in person. So like I said, this was my first year. And I know, I think, would you would it be safe to say that Universal, this is one of the more famous or events? Yeah, this is definitely one of the premier events across the world. I even see a lot of people uh, in Europe talk about uh, Halloween Horror Nights and, and uh, how big it is. I mean, it's been going on for 30 years now. This is their 30th year celebration. Man, after it started in 1991. That is crazy. So you said for you him. said a little bit about world famous. So this year is coming off the pandemic. There wasn't, it was pretty limited to the international travel, but I, I even heard some people that came like weeks early so they can quarantine and still go. That, that's, that's, that's a pretty serious event then, right? Wow. Yeah, I believe it though. I definitely yeah. believe it. Pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. So uh, when was your first year? So I have been in Orlando living since 2015. But up until 2019, I had never really uh, wanted to go to Halloween Horror Nights because I, I really did not enjoy scary stuff, right? And it yeah, took me several years living here to realize. Like yeah, right. It took me several years living here to realize how much uh, work and theming and detail that the creators put into each house. And of course, that stuff is right up my alley, right? That's my my theme park fandom coming through shining bright. So I figured if I could get over being scared enough to just enjoy the cool theming and the sets and uh, the atmosphere, then I would have a blast. So in, in 2019, I did. I went with a group of friends uh, who encouraged me to go, and I had an absolute blast. Even though I was scared, it was still uh, so much fun. And especially with the right group of people, even if you get scared, it's it's more funny than it is scary, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I screamed like a little girl multiple times, so I mean, <laughs> yeah. it, it all is that. Um, but but I but I also selfless, not selfless plug, whatever it is, but you, you also, the LogRide app started – when did you add theme uh, haunted and theme and you said theming, but I mean all the haunt experiences you added those into LogRide. When was that? So LogRide added haunts. It was supposed to be launching in 2020, and um, of course that ended up being the year of pandemic, right? So we we decided to hold off a little bit on haunts and officially launch uh, this year. But what's impressive is if you went ahead and populated some of the data for, for, I mean, I was shocked when I went to the universal app, I'm sorry, the universe went to universal, went to the haunt and then saw that you have pr lots of previous years in there. So pretty cool. Yeah. That's the great thing about our team. Uh, we have uh, a member of our team, Daniel, who is a huge haunt fan and specifically 
Halloween Horror Nights. So for him, diving into the history and adding all the previous mazes and scare zones for the past 30 years, and not even just Halloween Horror Nights here in Orlando, but uh, also Halloween Horror Nights in Universal Hollywood and in uh, Universal um, Japan. I'll have to see if Singapore does it too, but the point know, is... A it, lot of parks added haunts now, right? Yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. So uh, just to bring everybody along, um, how, how does ticketing work? Because a lot of people might be used to me. Like I was a Six Flags guy, right? Uh, Six Flags is my home park. And I was, I, I actually had to get a separate ticket. So how does, how does that kind of run down? Right. So much like most hot events in the States, at least, ticketing is, uh, is, is a separate ticket event. The event is a separate ticket event. Uh, the great news is it lasts a long time. So normally they do it uh, on Wednesday nights, Thursday nights, Friday nights, Saturday nights, and Sunday nights. So that's five nights a week, uh, basically all the way from September through the end of October. There's a couple of different options. You can obviously buy uh, a one-night ticket, which runs you usually $70 to $80, right? And the just, other, I, I yeah, do that. Right. So, and, but if you know a season pass holder, they get a discount if, if you're going as their friend, or I don't know what that's, that's called, but just FYI, if you know somebody who's a season pass holder, the one single nights are discounted uh, at least a few bucks. And if you already have an annual pass for Universal, there's a chance you have a free ticket, free Halloween Horror Nights ticket with your pass as well. So make sure you check for that. The option that I did was the, the next level, which is called the, the, the Russia Fear Pass. They probably don't have it anymore because it's over. Yeah, oh, it's not there anymore because it ended yeah, last week. Okay. Yeah. So for so those guys listening in on the podcast, uh, I was pulling up the website just so I could follow along. And it turns out the one he's talking about is not no longer on the website. So that's why, he's, <laughs> that's why I created this weird this word void there, but so what was it? What was that when it was available? Yep. So that was the rush of fear pass. And what that allows you to do is go any of the first 16 nights of the event, which equates to the first month of, uh, of September, the first full September month. So anytime from opening night to uh, the, usually like the Sunday, the first Sunday of October or the last Sunday of, of September. Got it. And that makes sense if you're local. The um, the crowds aren't ramping up yet for the Halloween season, right? It, it still can be crowded because obviously you're you're combating all the other people who have the passes and um, and the next pass we're going to talk about. But for me, that allowed the most flexibility. I knew I didn't want to deal with a lot of people this year, uh, especially coming out of COVID. So minimizing crowds. And I knew I'd only get to go maybe three or four times. So I wanted to prioritize a low crowd so I could hit up all the houses within that amount of time and redo all the houses that I wanted to do. Cool. And that one was, I think, 120. Okay, that makes sense. About 30 bucks cheaper if you're going to do the first month versus the frequent fear pass. Yep. So frequent fear is the next level. It's valid all the way through the event, but you can only do 
I want to make sure I get the terminology right that they're using here. Sun, they say Sunday through Thursday. Thursday. So that's Sundays, Wednesdays, and Thursday nights. Yeah. So you're which you're is fine on the week. The the busy times you they kind of block it. This is how they do crowd control. Well, right, right. So you're you're not able to go on Fridays and Saturdays. Which also, if you're local, would be pretty pretty handy. Yep. Yep. So the benefit of this is you get the entire year downside you're missing out on two nights friday saturday but it, i'm reading just so you guys know I'm, I'm reading along on the website it does allow you 26 possibilities to go so th there is still quite a few days you can you can hit it yeah and then the frequent fear plus is the same thing you're just tacking on the friday night as well yeah. so the only night you're missing on that is saturday and that one how much are they charging for that it says 190 on the website currently okay but the point is, it ultimate adds up quick, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. I know it does. It gets really expensive, especially what I found out when you factor in parking. Since I didn't have an annual pass, I was paying for parking each time, and that was twenty-five or thirty dollars. Oh, I didn't realize that. And yeah. we, and when I went with you, we didn't pay for parking because somebody we were with had a had a season pass, and we used their pass. Got that's, it. That's the key. I, Go with someone who has ah, an annual pass. Go with people. Yeah. <laughs> And then last but not least is obviously the, the annual pass equivalent, right? The the season ticket for the event, the ultimate frequent fear pass, which is every single night throughout the entire event. Yeah. yeah. And then there's tons of upgrades, but we'll, we're not really going to go over the upgrades. Um, I, I will mention one of them, though, actually. Oh, yeah. John. Go ahead. Oh, so yeah. There, there are a couple of tours you can do that I think if, you, if you're a true horror fan, Okay. Or really enjoy this level of stuff. Uh, there's there's a tour called the RIP tour. And you right. just scrolled I, past it. Oh, I did? Yeah, yeah. I'm too fast on the scrolling. Yeah, right, right. there. The private RIP tour, right there. So you get uh, a private guide through some, if not all, the houses. I'll have to look. I think there's different packages. And what they do is they actually tell you bits about the houses, some behind the scenes details that you probably wouldn't get just walking through uh, on your own or reading online. They also get you skipped to the front of the line so you're never waiting. Yeah, there you go. And it looks like it's also $330 a person. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's definitely not cheap. It's, uh, it's again, VIP access, right? Oh, and that's additional to admission. It says separate event emission is required. Oh man! So you're paying wow. three twenty nine on top of the equivalent of what eighty dollars for the single night ticket. Whew. So you're looking wow. at four hundred bucks. But that but if you were if you were literally flying in just for this event and and this is your thing, I, I could definitely see having a personal guided tour. That would be pretty slick, especially if they're for telling sure. all the behind the scenes and everything. For sure. But when so we talk the other one I want to talk about oh, yeah, real fast before right, we move right. on is is they have a a daytime behind the scenes tour. So this is something that I had considered when I was extremely chicken uh, and, and didn't want to uh, deal with the nighttime scares. Where they actually will take you through some of the houses during the day where there's no scare actors, no effects, and you just get to walk through and appreciate the craft and the time and the hard work that went into making the houses and get some behind the scenes detail. Um, more so from the creators about 
how the houses were created, uh, maybe some design choice reasoning, uh, a different different experience than you would get with RIP tours. I think more focused on the the creation of design versus the the story segments as well. Yeah, and I also heard you might even be able to see some of them doing makeup, right? That was the one where as you tour through, you can even see some behind the scenes stuff. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it, maybe. It definitely, it definitely has some behind the scenes, but we would call that, would you call that lights on um, in the horror, in the horror? Yeah, lights um, on walkthrough. Lights on walkthrough, yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, um, me, me coming from the outside, I was shocked at how much this event was gonna cost, frankly. So, so me not knowing anything, my, my going in kind of, I don't know, thought process was, wow, this is crazy expensive. I wonder, is, but once I got there, man, uh, to your point earlier, when you were talking about all the behind the scenes stuff, I was shocked at the sheer volume of time, thought, and characters that were involved in this event. And since your background is, you know, is, you know, from your previous Disney experience, can you talk just a little bit more about that from your perspective? Because if I was shocked on my side, then you had to have a pretty cool uh, kind of thought about that. Well, the crazy part to me is that very unsimilar to any other haunt event, they don't recycle houses, right? Every year, every scare zone, every house is completely new. And you know, they'll keep costumes, especially this year as we're celebrating the 30th, there's, there's some costumes from previous years that they were using, but all of the, the concepts and the houses in general are, are rebuilt. So thinking about that from a cost perspective, I can't imagine how much Universal pays to, to have a complete refresh every year. Yeah, yeah. And, and thinking about what that takes from a, a back-end support, right? Like uh, you're, you're having facilities that for this event are only being used for two months, but you have to have them marked off for pretty much the entire year for these sets to be torn down from the previous year and then rebuilt for the next year, right? I think we were talking to some people online and, and they were saying uh, they happen to work for Universal and they were saying the houses you know, start construction in like, was it May? Oh, I don't, I don't earlier? remember. I, I just remember April? completely shocked. <clears throat> it was, I remember it was a majority of the year. So yeah. that blows my mind. And I, I can't imagine from a, from a behind the scenes standpoint, how much effort and work goes into maintaining this, maintaining the costumes, maintaining the houses for two months. Because uh, unlike uh, a majority of performers, I mean, these characters are are jumping around and lunging at people. I'm sure those costumes go through a lot of wear and tear pretty quick. Yeah, and they got to rotate the people in and out. How does the logistics of that work? And yeah. I, and the other thing that was was kind of surprising to me is I didn't think about the, they have to get all these queue lines into these back areas and still not interfere with the day-to-day -day operations of the park. So, mm -hmm. so sometimes you're going through what seems to be a sea of temporary, <laughs> temporary walls uh, just to get to some of these events, which I thought, I mean, I never thought about somebody had to actually plan all that out, right? 
That's a good point. Yeah. It was like that one time, I think it was one of our first houses where we're walking under the Rip Ride Rocket coaster. Yeah. Right. And there's yeah. no netting or anything. You're just kind of sitting there. You can kind of touch the supports and walk Pretty around. Cool. You're like, this isn't normal. People aren't usually allowed back in. But you're right. Yeah. There's this entire infrastructure you have to implement. And it and it can't impact normal day-to-day operations, like you said. It has to just be there for the night, but still operate just as efficiently. Yeah. So let's let's talk a, just in general. If you happen to have been the like, we always say universal, but I was a little even confused that it's at the island that I, I was in Islands of Adventure, but that it's actually in the other park. And then from a perspective of quite a few of the rides, I mean, they still are running rides during the event. Like you mentioned the, the, um, the coaster and we walking under it. I mean, that's why it was operating and, the, and it operated until like midnight or 1 AM or something. Yeah. That's the great thing about this event. Like, uh, if you don't like the scary stuff or if you need a break, all of the major ticket attractions are usually open for a majority except, of the evening. Except I was really disappointed not to do fast and furious. <laughs> but no, it was open. We just didn't make it in time before it shut I, down. I'm looking at the list, so uh, it's no longer on the website as an open ride. Oh, but, interesting. But we did do Men in Black. We did not get to the Harry Potter escape. We did Mummy. We did Transformers. We did. Uh, we got in line for Rip Ride Rocket, but we didn't get to ride it because it went it it uh, went down right at the end of the night. And then we did one more. What was it? Uh, Simpsons. Simpsons. Yes, the Simpsons ride. So, so it's surprising though. And the, and and to be fair, the rides were pretty much a walk on. Yeah, that was the best part because everyone was in the lines for the the attraction. Did you expect us to ride normal rides, or did you think it was just going to be all houses and scare zones? <clears throat> I thought if I was going to ride a normal ride, that I would have to break away from you guys and then come back. I was expecting, I knew there was a few rides um, that I wanted to ride because I've never been t- into the parking a long time. Um, so, so, but I was pleasantly surprised that because there was there a walk on like the Simpsons, we were going from point A to point B and we just walked right on the ride because there was no way and walked right off the ride. So it was like, we just hit them kind of as we were walking by and that turned out to be pretty awesome. And the Harry Potter, although we didn't get to ride the um, the actual ride, we did get to go into uh, what's it called the Diagon Alley, yeah. and that was weird with no people. There's like two or three people or two or three couples in there, so that was I've never seen that with nobody in it. Before we dive into the map, I, I really want to talk about your expectations going into this. You mentioned the price. And now you, you thought the price was a little heavy uh, before you figured out what the event was and what was involved. But what, what were you imagining as, as far as like number of things to do or quality coming in? Since you've only had a kind of experience with local haunts and Six Flags before. So for me, Midwest, you know, when we go to like a Six Flags park, we're riding the rides. There's five or six scare zones. And then there's, you know, three to five houses. Um, but uh, so in that, the scare zones were included in your ticket. The timeline is pretty much the same. Uh, the, the park is open from 
this, you know, opening to close. There's no separate entry where you have to leave the park or go to a queuing area. And um, then from a haunt perspective, you know, it would be the equivalent of going to just one house. So, so that's kind of where I was, I was at. Universal's a more expensive park than a Six Flags or Cedar Fair anyway. So I knew it was going to be a little bit more, but then I had to buy two tickets, one for the day and then one for the night. And I think in hindsight, I probably should have spent a little more time realizing the sheer volume of time I was going to spend <laughs> from rope drop to the end of the night. Cause it, we, we were like, you were smart and held back and didn't go till later in the evening. And that was a, that was a smart choice, I think, because we were exhausted because we started so early. Um, so I just think that I was not aware of the volume, a scare zone that I was used to did not have, I mean, I, I, I want to say there was four X, the people in a scare zone at, at a universal scare, scare area as, as, as what I was used to. So, so, so it's not that I was disappointed. I was just like, wow, this is going to be more expensive. I didn't hesitate. I just, I was just a little surprised it was, it was that much more money. But once I got there, I, I, I could definitely see why it's more expensive and why it's premier and why people go out of their way to go to it. So are you happy you paid the? $70? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. No, no, no question. It was worth it. Um, in hindsight, uh, you know, that's okay. a difference between perspective when, I mean, I, bl I just blindly told somebody to buy me tickets. And, you know, I mean, I didn't really even uh, – I didn't even really look at what they were going to cost me. So, 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 and then after I got the bill – well, not the bill, but after he told me how much I owed him, I was like, oh, wow, that's, that's a lot for a day. But, like I said, it was definitely worth it. And let's talk a little bit about how we did because I was so spoiled – so spoiled because we got there and it was a Friday night, right? Yeah, this is what blows my mind. We went on a Friday because that we was went, the only we night that everyone's passes were available. And we did rope drop, and there was five, four or five of us. No, there was five of us log ride contributors, whatever you want to call us. <laughs> so log ride team. The log ride team was there, and we had to we had to do it around when everyone could go. So it was it was good. Um, and it was uh, drizzling, and then it rained like right when we got there, and it was it was starting off like a oh great this is gonna be a, a crazy a crazy wet evening, but then uh, then the rain kind of went away, and we and we had fantastic lines. I think the most we waited in a line was did we wait in any that were forty five minutes? We may have hit 40, maybe, on one. And for those of you guys that don't know anything about Holiday Horror Nights, I mean, that is unusual. As a matter of fact, if you would talk to somebody and say, hey, we got to all of, all, of the, all of the haunted houses in one night, they would probably tell you they'd be surprised, right? For sure. I mean, yeah, if, if it happens to be... Uh, an event night while you're listening to this, open up the log ride app and you'll see lines are probably hovering at, you know, 45, 60, 70 minutes, especially as we get into October. So to think that we could do all, what is it? Nine, maybe even hang on, one, two, three, four, 
five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten houses. Is that right? Am I counting yeah. that right? And all the scare zones and one of the two shows. And we rode some rides. Yeah, so. we crammed so much into a single night. And granted, that was from rope drop until two in the morning. I mean, we shut the place down as true. we were leaving. True, true. All right. So to finish off this podcast, we're going to talk through the houses, what we liked, what our thoughts were on the house, and we're going to go through them. And, and we both challenged ourselves to rank them. Now, because I've never done this before and never been to this event before, I'll just start off by saying these haunted houses were on par with single haunted houses in Chicago. I mean, they were all fantastic. So just because we've got some near the bottom, they were not bad by any means. They were not bad at all. That's true. So, there was not a single bad house this year. So that's why it was so hard to rate them. I don't know about you, but I struggled. I moved some of these around like multiple times. Um, so it'll, I, who knows, I may change my, some of my opinions as we walk through these and, and talk, but talk through them again. It's also not fair because you only got to go one night and granted you did everything, which is a, a pure overload, I'm sure. But I'm lucky. I got to go three times over three nights and, uh, and do each of the mazes multiple times except one, but we can talk about that when we get into it. But yes, I'm, I'm very curious to see if our lists align at all. I, I don't think they are because I've got some weird reasons why some of mine are, are low. Okay. Should we um, start at, uh, at the bottom and work our way up? Sure. All right. You want me to go first? Yeah. Tell me your least favorite house. My least favorite was the Netflix haunting of Hill house. Mm. Okay. Now. So uh, just to give you a couple bullet points on that. First off, when you walked in that, it was amazing. You walked in the door and they had a full house inside the building. And the entryway was just amazing. But my problem was I've never seen the series. I had no idea what the house was about. As I walked through of it, I had tons of scares. Don't get me wrong. But I had no context to, to, to the show. So I felt like lost the whole time for lack of a better term. Um, so although like set and stuff was like fantastic and amazing, I had to pick one that was the, the bottom. So I just picked that because I just had no idea the whole time what any of it was. Uh, and as I walked through the house, so what were your thoughts on um, it's, Oh, by the way, it's a Netflix series. So the, in the, in the series, the house is the, is kind of the main, the main character. Is that, is that a fair way of saying it? <laughs> That's a good question. I, I have no idea, to be honest. I have oh, still okay. yet to see the show. <laughs> oh, so you haven't seen the show but, either. Okay. So just but I will agree with you. The, the While it's not my least favorite, the Netflix one was definitely far down on my list uh, because I, I hadn't seen the show. The people who I went with and that you went with that has, had seen the show seemed to enjoy it a lot more and rank it higher. Yeah. I think because of that tie, because they've seen it, it felt like they were immersed in the world. I, I did rank it a little higher, though, because of some of the effects. There were some really cool – I don't want to spoil stuff, so I'm not going to go into details. But there were some really cool effects with uh, glass breaking and some audio effects, like pitch black audio effects in the middle of the maze. And to your point, the the manner. I mean, you walk into the show building, and all of a sudden you're in front of this, this two-story mansion, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was incredible. The set it was, it was, an amazing when you job. Walk, 
it when you walked in, I mean, you was like, whoa. But uh, that's part of the reason why um, I rated a little bit lower because I felt like I was so impressed off of the, the entryway um, that then I got kind of lost in it. Um, mm -hmm. That that I felt like I wouldn't say it was downhill the whole time. That sounds bad because it wasn't like the glass thing was pretty awesome. I, I did like that. And it's a couple of, so what, what number did you have it? Cause are you uh, tracking them in log ride? Cause it gives you your number. Yeah. So I ranked it at number seven for me. Seven. So, so yeah. four higher than me. So about All halfway right. up. Yeah. All right. So but for me, for me, my, let me go with my lowest one. I flagged my lowest one as uh, welcome to scary horror in heartland. Okay. So welcome or to scary. Involved. Welcome to scary was my number nine. So only one, one up. So that's uh, what okay. I, which okay. would be my next one. And so yeah, this one, from what I understand was supposed to, well, I guess let, let me say this. The, the, the house itself is based on a town called Cary, Ohio, which in the Halloween Horror Nights lore is a, a prominent town where a bunch of spooky things happen. Right. So I, I think what Universal was going for uh, was hearkening back to some of the old mazes that reference Cary, Ohio, and bringing some of those aspects into this new one, and, and you're kind of walking through some of the pieces of that. I don't know that piece of the lore as well, so I'm sure some fans would get a lot out of this, but I just didn't understand a lot going through it. Uh, and there were a lot of... I, I thought the... I didn't get scared very much, and maybe... I only did it once, and you only did it once too. So there's a good chance we may have missed a bunch of the good scares, but it just didn't just didn't do it for me. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that's I can almost the only yeah I, I think the only reason I put it a little bit higher is there was a couple of really cool monsters in there, um, mm -hmm. but uh, and I think I did get more jump scares. I, I think that's the other thing. Uh, just kind of a side note is I got really lucky. Went almost all of the houses that I got a majority. Sometimes if you're walking through it, you, you see the person in front of you get the scare or the person behind you get the scare, but you don't get the scare. And I know it sounds really weird to say, but if it's the person in front of you, then you can be as surprised as them sometimes. But if it happens right behind you, sometimes you, you kind of missed it. Is that, is that a good way of saying it? Yep. That's fair. That's so, so I, I, so I think that, uh, um, I can understand why you said that. So what's your, so is it my turn now? Cause so that was, so for me, my bottom was, it was the haunted Hill house, then, then scary. And then for me, it was Texas chainsaw. Me too. Nice job. Yeah, I thought, I thought we, I thought we wouldn't align at all. Wow. Nice <laughs> high five, virtual high fives here. So why did right. you talk about chainsaw? So I, it's not that it was bad. As a matter of fact, the cool the coolest thing I liked about that is you went through, I don't know, a third of it maybe, and you came to an opening. And it was almost like a the the um, like a motel or hotel kind of. They had like a grill, and they had like this. You kind of opened up into like a piece of the motel and stuff. And and I, I think that was really cool, but. I can only handle so many chainsaws and it was all chainsaw. So I don't want to call it a one trick pony, but you know, I, I kind of, I kind of got tired of the chainsaws by the end of it. <laughs> yeah. But that's fair. And I agree with you. The sets were beautiful. 
And I know they had some smells in there, which were interesting. Uh, but oh, this is another one where I haven't, I'm not very familiar with the Texas Chainsaw brand. So I don't have that emotional connection with, uh, with Leatherface and all that. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that kind of aligns with me too. Wow, I can't believe so so far we're so close. I really thought we'd be way off. All right, so what's your next? You're up next. So my number seven was the Netflix haunting of Hill House. So oh, uh, you have to tell me what your number seven was. Uh, my number seven was Case Files. Mm-hmm. I struggled. This is where it started to get really hard for me. So Case Files. Um, if I slow down. Uh, Case Files was uh, is just basically you know like stepping back into the like to the forties and they're you know like uh, and each sequence of events was was separate events that he was looking into to research and then they all kind of came alive so it felt like. It was cool, and a lot of a lot of the monsters were cool, and a lot of the a lot of the scares were there. But to me, it was like, uh, well, you know, we're just going to throw together all these these different <laughs> these different monsters, and we'll just throw them into a house together. It kind of I wouldn't say there wasn't kind con- of it wasn't it, it just didn't lead you down a story or anything. It was just here's the next monster, here's the next monster, and kind of like, that's how it kind of felt to me. I don't know what you think. Fair. Yeah, so I, I can see that coming from someone who doesn't know the history. And even for me, it was difficult to follow. It took me and, and another friend uh, a couple of walkthroughs and a lot of internet research to really figure out what was happening through the story. Okay, so I, walk I rented pretty. So you said you were thinking the same thing as me the first time you went through it. Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah. It was it was hard to follow the story. I'll give you a quick overview of the story. But I, I like you, ranked it pretty low. I actually put it at number nine. I don't know if it deserved that low now that I look back at it. But it, it was pretty far just for the confusing concept of how to get to the story, right? So I think the idea, at least from what I understand, is that you're following uh, an investigator who is following, almost retracing the footprints of a, of a, a paranormal investigator, right? Mm-hmm. And as as the guy you're following walks through the stories of this this investigator, uh, he's picking up different uh, items that he thinks are significant in order to unlock some major event at the end. Uh, long story short, he ends up locking unlocking a portal directly to hell, which uh, we all know is probably a bad thing, <laughs> right? Uh, and that's kind of the gist of the story. There, there are some really cool sets. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of like a 1940s, 50s feel. Yeah. Like there's like gangster, uh, back alley, uh, like risque club scene, right? When you're in like a, yeah. like a, like yeah. a burlesque style club at the end, which is kind of interesting. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it was, it was, Mediocre maze. I think it's a little cooler if, if you really have a handle on the on the Halloween Horror Nights lore. But besides that, I I feel like meh, probably wouldn't understand. It. But granted, it had usually one of the longest lines of the night when we were over there. Yeah, I mean, it was. It was don't get me wrong, man. A lot of these were super popular, which is why I think there's just different houses for different people, and why it Good was point. kind of kind of interesting to have this podcast so we can talk about 
your perspective versus my perspective. So, okay. so what did you have for number, uh, what are we at, five now? Right, the so middle? Number, so let me start with my number six. I, let me I just knock off number six and number five. Because number six was one called Revenge of the Tooth Fairy. Oh. Which okay. is a, an original one, again, by Universal. This one actually premiered last year when they did their, uh, their short run of Halloween Horror Nights where they only opened up three mazes mm -hmm. uh, during 2020. But this one, the idea is there's a, a child who loses his, his first tooth and he's visited by the tooth fairy, but he doesn't want to give up his tooth. He wants to keep it. And uh, according to the story, if you don't give your tooth to the tooth fairy, you are cursed to become a monster. And uh, all these evil creatures start attacking the house and uh, ripping people's teeth out and destroying the manor. And uh, eventually this kid turns into uh, the aforementioned monster. So, we, so we what I think is hilarious about this, this house is a uh, personal story. While we were in line, John, you got a text message from your, your wife, right? Yeah. yeah. Can you tell the story? Okay. Before? So we're in line for the tooth fairy. And, and I get a, I get a text message from, and it's got a picture and the picture is a single tooth. So it turns out my son literally lost a tooth while I was in the line for the show. So I immediately replied and said, please, please make sure he, the tooth fairy takes his tooth. <laughs> <laughs> right. Talk about foreshadowing. Wow. It was that just so funny. Crazy. But you don't know where I have this rank, ranked yet. I don't know. I want to know. Where, where did you rank Revenge? Number two. Really? You liked Dude. it that much? All right. Tell okay. me why. All right. So obviously the personal connection of being in line, <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, um, after that, when you walked in, you, it was like deep, like you're walking through thick robes and you go through almost like a, like a portal into a book. So they've got the tooth fairy and then there's a tooth fairy book. And then you, you walk through this thin kind of big, thick, thick, uh, thick lined curtain area and you're opened up into a pop-up book and they had a two story or three story pop-out book with, with the, the, the person who's in the tooth fairy and everything. And then as you take it through the maze, uh, the the depth that they went um, without spoiling it, all the monsters were trying to take their teeth and they didn't stop at teeth. They took jaws and they took all kinds of stuff. So as you walk through the house, the gore was was like really high. And I just was shocked at how many different scenes they could create around this what I would when I and my expectations were so low because I thought it was the stupidest idea for a house when I went into <laughs> it. So like when I left the house, I was just shocked at how they took my expectations of this being kind of a lame idea to like this 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 deep deep dark area throughout the house. And I got a lot of scares in the, in that also. So that's why I did that. I will agree with you on the gore piece. That was definitely the goriest house we did all night. But which yeah. which I was not expecting. Yeah, fair. Yeah, from something called the Tooth Fairy. Yeah, I could see. <laughs> All so right. So then what why. was your number six then? Well, no, you still you still got to do your number five, right? 
I oh, can do wait. that too. Yeah. No, no, I, already, I, I thought I already did my number six. Uh, what was your number six? My number. Oh, no, no, no. You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. We didn't do. I'm glad you're following along because I clearly am not. So my number six was uh, The Bride of Frankenstein. Okay. Okay. So that one for me is actually my number two. So I'm, I'm prepared to fight you on this one. Okay. So you walk in and it's her, The Bride of Frankenstein, over the body of Frankenstein. And they did a really good job. She's like high up almost on a mountain and, and, he, and he's smashed. And, and so it was like this really cool entry. But uh, I just, I mean, all the, I mean, it was good, but it just, I would say it just didn't rank as high as the other ones. So um, the, you know, at the very end, I mean, you pretty much know, right? Frankenstein's going to be brought back to life. So it was the walking him them through that. And uh, I don't know. I just, I don't know. It just, it just didn't do anything for me. Is that weird? Like, I don't have like a solid reason why I ranked it six, but it was just, it was just okay. Why, why did you, totally why'd you, why'd you do number two? So I, I would have probably ranked it lower if I hadn't done it multiple times. This is oh, another yeah? one where I had to look up the story and the, the, the story they were trying to convey through the maze afterwards. And then I did it a couple more times and it finally set in and I loved it. So the, the maze picks up right at the end of the Bride and Frankenstein movie, right? Where the castle has, has been destroyed. Uh, Frankenstein's monster is crushed and the Bride of Frankenstein is there. And she's, she discovers that Frankenstein is there. The monster of Frankenstein is dead. And so her goal throughout this entire maze is to bring him back to life. And yeah. how does she do that? She actually uh, abducts brides of Dracula, right? Like vampire ladies, because they have eternal blood. And then steals body parts from human victims and merges those two together to create the new Frankenstein's monster, right? Yeah. And to me, that was awesome. So once I understood that, because the first time you go through, you're like, oh, there's like, vampire people and then like mummy people and then of course all the frankenstein style creatures are popping up everywhere but then i was like oh my gosh this makes sense so once you go through you can see her the bride of frankenstein harvesting the blood of all these vampire mm -hmm. um ladies and then you see like the mummy people are actually humans that she's taken body parts from to put the frankenstein monster back together I don't know. I just thought it was so fun after I got that. I was like, oh, it makes sense. It was the first one that I could actually follow the story all the way through until the very end when, obviously, surprise, Frankenstein's monster gets brought back to life. And and I think the brought back to life was awesome. I, I do think that had one of the better endings. <clears throat> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, there was kind of a, a true ending to this maze. Yeah, it wasn't just it, like a final scare get you out of here. Yeah, it definitely was a really cool cool thing ah man i'm oh that, that's cool I, I can i can kind of see a little bit more now we kind of talk through it i could see that one being one i might move up a little bit yeah but I, uh I, I would suggest go watch it online that's the one of the ones i've gone back and watched several times on youtube just oh, to get yeah? the full effect i think you'll you might appreciate it more than that you know the backstory got it got it so what was your next one then what so then i had this is my number five i had wicked growth the realm of the pumpkin where is that in yours? I'm curious. Number one. Number That's your number one? one. See, number okay. 
That's so funny. One of our other guys had it as number one also. So I, I, I am – see, so this is more of what I was expecting. We went through the first few a little more aligned, and I was really expecting us to be wildly different. <laughs> all right. So, all right. So why That's don't you go fun. first? You go first on why. No, actually, I mean, there is no reason why. I just liked other ones better than this one. So I kind of want to hear your take instead if you don't mind. Okay. So you're in line. You still got 15 minutes and you start to see these glowing pumpkin towers uh, over the walls and you get closer and you start to see this huge entryway, which is a jumbo pumpkin, but yet many pumpkins in the pumpkin. And it's just, just huge growth thing. It's got green, you know, fake grass coming out of everywhere and you haven't even got into the house yet. So, so that's, so from a, from a coming or what do you want to call it from an entry standpoint, this one was well over the top of any of the houses, um, from a, from a, you haven't gotten to the house yet. And then once you've gotten to the house, it's like, it starts off, I'd call it normal if there's a normal for, for haunted houses. And the further you get, the more growth is everywhere. And then they had like this really cool bridge that had this amazing effect of water where you felt like you were high up in the air that was, I mean, I kind of, I may have just spoiled that for somebody, but you literally just look down and you're just like, <gasps> and you have the complete, like your mind thinks something different than reality. And then as you go, uh, the, the, I got a couple of really good scares and then the immaculate pumpkin slash, like tree costumes there was a couple of super oversized set pieces that just shocked the living daylights out of me i'm sure i screened multiple times in this one and uh and and so so it was just all of that together i was just i was just amazed and there was a really good scare right at the very end also where you think you're out you're out but yeah i may have ruined that one also you think you're done but you really weren't I guess there was a couple of those throughout the night, right? But yeah, yeah, so that's why I ranked it number one is the set was fantastic. All the scare actors were so unusual, um, you know, and, and then just the, you know, it was, it was like the, tr it was like the, the whole place was alive near, near the very end of it with effects. Like you almost felt like the walls were living all so. right. I see that. I you may have convinced me to move it up my list. It is a cool <laughs> maze. <laughs> so it, it let, let me give just a quick detail of the background. So this is another original maze by Universal. And uh, I, I read a story about the, the creation piece, and they were talking about how this is supposed to harken back to more like classic how we think Halloween tradition type things. So you have uh witches and, and creatures like that. But the idea is is these um these witches are conjuring a creature called the Pumpkin Lord. And this Pumpkin Lord is slowly like taking over this, this town house, wherever we are, town, city, house. And so as you're walking through the maze, uh, you start out in this house and there's these like thin little vines that are kind of creeping through everywhere. And as you progress, the vines get thicker and thicker yeah. and thicker until oh, you reach yeah. the climax where you, you enter into this pumpkin sanctuary and are eventually faced directly with this creature known as the Pumpkin Lord. And that was cool. 
You're right. And some of the big set pieces were just amazing. The other cool thing I want to point out, though, is in the, the media article I read that was from the Universal blog, they talked about how this maze has been really popular this year, right? So you're not the only one who thinks it's really cool. And, and they kind of hinted at the idea that maybe this concept might return in future years. So maybe this year isn't the last time we'll see the Pumpkin Lord or his witch minions. Well, the 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 like the vines almost felt like they had blood beating in them. I mean, that, yeah, they were pulsating. Yes, yeah. yes, and I don't know how they did that either, either through air or something. But I don't know, like like you said, when you when you got the closer you got, man. Yeah, that was a cool one. Okay. I might move that up a little bit because I had it kind of low. So my next one was actually Puppet Theater. This is my number four. All this right. one, another original maze. Uh, so that's, my, is, that's my five. That's so your right. fifth one. Okay, so yep. we're pretty close on that. Yeah. So this one you go through and um, there, there was an earthquake. I forget the year. I'll have to look up the year later. But uh, there was an earthquake that collapsed this theater and there was a bunch of patrons that were trapped our patrons and actors that were trapped in this theater. Uh, and you're coming to this theater a year later. So these people have been stuck inside this decrepit collapsed theater. And now you're making your way through. And of course, I'm sure there's some, uh, some uh, people have become unhinged, right? Wouldn't you, if you were locked in a, a, a rundown theater for a year, John? I, for sure. And <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want to stop you, but you, this one also had another really kind of cool entry because it's like you're coming to the back of a busted up theater and they, they made a hole in the wall that made you feel like you were entering through into the back of the theater. It, it was pretty amazing uh, how they made it so realistic. Like we literally, like somebody busted the, a wall, like somebody busted a door out of the back of the theater. I mean, concrete blocks looked like they had been thrown to the side and broken open and, you know, fake rebar hanging, hanging around. I mean, it was, it was a really cool entry also. Yeah. I think this tops my favorite facade because you're right. You get this, you can tell this, this theater was in an earthquake. Like everything's all collapsed and rotted. And you're right. The entry was so cool because it's just the side of the building and there's just a broken busted hole. Like the fire department just tried to ram up a rammer through it. Right. Just to get people out. Yeah. yeah one of, that's awesome. One of those rammers. Yeah. yeah. I can't <laughs> say I remember too much from the maze. Now that I think about it, there's a couple of things I remember, but I just remember there were some big sets that I was always in awe of and some really creative scares. Yes, that's, that's where that's where I was going to go. The creative scares. What was your favorite creative scare in this one? Oh, I don't know if I want to ruin it because it was so good. We, we ha I, I'm I'm going to ruin mine. So if you'd like to, okay. Spoiler alert. Skip skip ahead. Uh, you know, thirty seconds if you don't want to hear it. So what was yours? Okay, so mine was you're walking through the backstage area, like where actors get ready, and there are uh, these mirrors. Right. Think of like you have a little vanity and you have yeah. a mirror and then there's like these kind of popcorn lights that are around the edge of the mirror. And you're walking through and there's a series of like three on each side. And as you walk past the very last one, they've done some sort of effect where it, it looks like it's a mirror. But all of a sudden a person lunges out of the mirror. Right. Yeah. Like full force, full body and swipes at you. That one got me. Probably the best gear I had throughout the entire yep. event out of all the three nights. 
Yeah. Is that similar to what yours was? That that one was, and the other one that they had in here is they the the walls looked like wallpaper or something, but they were really fabric, and they had puppets hanging behind them that you couldn't see. And then they popped the lights on, and you could see through the walls, and there was these creepy puppets. <laughs> <laughs> like right next to you. I mean, like they were on top of you almost. And but uh, but those two, that definitely that mirror thing was was amazing. And they they had like they had one more that was that surprised me. But I was trying to remember what it was. It was either like a like a like a false wall where they they the the puppet slid out or dropped from the ceiling. I can't, I can't remember. But there was one other scare that really got me in this. So, but yeah, I I totally am right there with you, man. It was. That was nice. cool. Definitely one to remember. I think that yeah. one's going to go down in some some Hornet history. All right, man. Right, so so, so yeah, far, we're, we're, we're our, really good. I'm surprised. Yeah, not too bad. I'm surprised we're lining up. So I think we're kind of in our top three. I know you've already done your top, your your number two. I, I've done my top two. My my top my number one was uh, the the uh, pumpkin wicked growth, and my okay. second one was Revenge of the Tooth Fairy. Okay, so. My number three was the Halloween Horror Nights icons captured. Man, I'm assuming my, this ranked a little lower on your list. That was my four. Okay. Um, oh, okay. I'm I'm surprised that was as high as yours. I didn't think you would like that one as much. It. I, I knew enough that I thought it was cool. Um, the, I mean, the set pieces and stuff were kind of lack, lackluster because they all had to pick a theme from a previous year, which I didn't know anything about. So as I walked through it, I was kind of, I wouldn't say I was confused, but I, I definitely appreciated it because I knew I was going through the different years. And then I loved how at the end it varied. And at the very end, there was somebody sitting on the throne and, and I, they just rotated who was the, icon of the particular time we went through so i i I think the concept is why it ranked a little bit higher uh for me what about you i don't agree with you i think for me it was some of the nostalgia piece or like uh, the fandom right because over the past couple years i've tried to delve a little deeper into the lore so i appreciated all the characters but i didn't think about the sets you were right though i think they focused majority on the characters and not a lot on the set pieces right so I don't remember there being like a lot of huge elaborate stuff. No, I mean, I mean, they weren't bad, but you just kind of knew it was icons and the, you just, they really, you really concentrated on each of the people. So it was more, there wasn't, it wasn't about the sets. It was about the people. Mm. And, but I do. I just really liked the concept of it, which is why I ranked it higher, I think, um, than some of the other ones. Uh, but uh, it was it was cool. Do we know? Is there any rhyme or reason to who was at the end? As, as far as who's on the throne at the end? Yeah, who's on the the throne? Yeah, Mm-mm, I think they just rotate. So just rotate. every time I went, I saw somebody different. We had uh, Jack <clears throat> one time. Yeah. Uh, I think when we went through. The first had, night when I went through, we had, we, had, we, had, we had Jack. Yeah. The first night I went through, we had the director. And then the third night I went through, we had Chance. So I think it's, I'm sure they have some kind of rotation schedule, but it is 
I feel like kind of a toss up when you go through. Who's on break? Who's on break? Or who's <laughs> got 15 minutes? No, yeah. <laughs> but that was cool. If you pay attention, it was kind of hard to see because it's such a small space, but they actually had all of the icons in the finale room. They're just kind of hidden up on like the second floor and a few boo holes on the, the bottom floor. Oh, the cool thing is when you walked in, I mean, selfless plug to their merchandising, but when you walked in, they had all of the characters in, and it was all like merchandise. I can't remember what it was. Were the candlestick holders or can't? Oh, they were can totems. To okay. Yeah. yeah but they were all, the all, of the... all totems that you could buy in the store. <laughs> so. All right. Well, I've, I've only got one left. I think I do too. So that means your number three is my number one. Is that accurate? I don't know. Well, it's Beetlejuice. Yeah. Is that your number three? It is. Yeah. Okay. And that's my number one. I did, so not, this is, I did not see that coming. Really? This is coming from my, I hate scary stuff. I just like to have fun. Beetlejuice to me is such a fun movie and they did such an immaculate job of capturing some of the fun moments and uh, the memorable characters and experiences throughout the movie. I just, every time I went through, I just had a blast. Oh yeah. So to set the scene, when you walk in, it is literally straight off the movie. Beetlejuice is two stories up on like a, like on a microphone and he's like entertaining the crowd while you're waiting in line. And he, it is the same corny, funny jokes, like straight out of the movie and he, all the comments are, I mean, that they had to really spend a lot of time getting the actors for that because they were, they were solid. Yeah, it's live. That's what I couldn't believe. I really thought it would be a recording or something. But no, there's a live actor spieling a la Beetlejuice to the crowd below. Yeah, it was, awesome. it was not pre-recorded. I mean, he was commenting on what people were wearing. And he was, I mean, he, I mean it was all live. It, Imagine it, doing that for what eight hours, five nights a week. Well, clearly they rotate, right? Because because he he appears later in the show and in the in the in the uh, house also. Sure, sure, but still, like I think there's probably only two or three people that do that role. That yeah, first yeah. Beetlejuice because they got probably. a voice and everything. Uh, oh man, I, I can imagine this guy has some some serious stamina. I'm sure he reuses a lot of the same lines over and over again, but you wouldn't know from from walking through it. Sure. Um, so what were some of the, this is, I 100% I agree with you. Like you walk through the house and you felt the movie presence. I mean, I mean the, even the flat guy that went in, the shrunken head guy, like all, all the stuff out of the movie were like amazing. The one I couldn't get over was, you know, the scene in the movie where they're in the attic, it's Beetlejuice and the, the, the female adult and the male adult, the ghosts, right? And they're they're interacting with the model. There's like a huge city model just like sits down and interacts with the model. Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, they they had that model there in the yeah. house. Like yeah. they recreated it. And they even had the next scene where you're actually shrunk down into the model. And you're yeah. interacting with that scene. That to me was yeah. incredible. I think my favorite part. Yeah. And then they had did I can't remember. Was it was it the big fly or did they have the big baby Ruth or not baby Ruth? The hunt nut but whatever the it was when when you were small in the model the like the jump scare was like a huge the huge fly. Oh really? I didn't get that. 
Oh man. No, yeah. I missed it. Okay, so now I have to go back and watch the video. I had never gotten yeah. that scare. Yeah. And and it wasn't I don't think it was animatronic. I think it was just like a loose outline and you just would turn and look at it and just like just shocked. <laughs> or at least I was. <laughs> That's so cool. All right. Yeah, but, uh, but the, 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 the the flat guy was on was on guide wires and he was moving through the wall. Yeah. I, that I thought it was cool. He was moving. Yeah, I I, lo- I love the Beetlejuice one. Um, the, there was a little bit of Funhouse effects. Yeah. Um, which, yeah. so that really fit the thing. So yeah, I I did. I, I like Beetlejuice. So yeah, wow, we 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 did good. I'm I'm impressed. This nice was a job. lot. This, I I can't believe we actually talked about this for an hour. That's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I know you only went one night ever, and we we were able to. Be fun. to you were able to hold your own. You did good, John. Well done. Yeah, no, it was great. It was great. Like I, I can, I can totally see why people get into that. Totally, totally. So it was fun. So, Ho- hopefully, uh, you got, you got. Um, if you're listening to this, you got a feel for it. I think we had enough differing opinions. I think it, it kind of pointed out what you may or may not like about quite a bit of the stuff. So yeah, we still, they still got a whole month left, right? They do, all the yeah. way until October 31st. So far, yeah. yeah. So uh, cool. Uh, any parting wisdoms or other tips? If you are hitting up haunts this year, check out the LogRide app. We have a majority of the ones throughout uh, the U.S. and the U.K. And uh, if, if there's a major theme park that has a haunt, I guarantee we have it as well. Yeah, so just two things on that. If you're in the LogRide app and you are looking at the park, if it's got a little ghost in the corner, you can click on that ghost and it swaps you right over to the haunt. It's seamless. It is fantastic. And then you're checked into um, you can easily check into both. And then uh, a, a reminder, if you're using the explore function, that uh, depending on their version, um, do they, how's that work? Because I've got the new version, so I don't, I don't want to make sure I tell people right. It's a set, it's a set, you click on the haunt in the search to narrow it down to just the haunts. Is, is that, is that right. feature live? That is. That's okay. correct. Yep. Good. You can search exclusive haunts on the explore feature. Awesome. So hit explore. It'll even do the map to tell you where you are if you click on the map icon. And then uh, you can just click on the little ghost and then you see just the orange icons of where the haunts are near you. So pretty uh, fantastic. uh, Some amazing features uh, in that LogRide app. So, hey, how do I find this LogRide app? <laughs> hey, there's a couple of ways. You can check us out on any of the social media channels or you can visit logrideapp.com and choose your, your Android or iOS platform from there. Yeah. And John, uh, how do we find you? Oh, well, you can find me at Parks with Points. Um, I do the travel hacking and I try to get to more, po- more, more parks and uh, offset that cost with uh, the travel hacking stuff. But um, when it comes to the Thrill Seekers podcast, thrillseekerspodcast.com and we've been a little light on the behind the turnstiles episodes so if you know anybody who in the industry that'd love to talk to us um you know you got a former disney cast member so i think a lot of those um have been some fantastic episodes and i i've been amazed at how deep we went um do you have a favorite episode so far so there was one with a guy named harrison coleman where we went in deep about how disney forecasts and updates their wait times that's mine too i really yeah. like that one i thought i was just so like we had to break it into two two parts because I, we went so deep we had half the 
outline missing. <laughs> yeah, so. it was fascinating. And I can't tell you how many times I've talked some of the, talked about some of the stuff we've learned since then, right? Because wait times are a big thing when you visit parks now. Yeah, and, and it, since he's opened that door for us, I now, like, it's like, uh, now I notice the kind of stuff. And I, when I'm in the queue, I think about, oh, well, this queue is, you know, I mean, it's just funny. Once you, once you hear it, you start to see it. Yeah. So yeah, cool. if it, uh, so you can shoot us an email, um, uh, info at Thrill Seekers Podcast, or you can hit either one of us up on any of those social media channels that we just talked about. Uh, we'd love to to have a few uh, few more of those in the queue because right now we have none in the queue, so we need to we need to get busy. Well, this has been fun. Thanks for having me on, John. All right. Until our next adventure. All right. Sounds good. We'll see you. Join us each week for more Thrill Seekers podcasts and check us out on the web at thrillseekerspodcast.com. This has been a Parksman Podcast production.